Hi everyone, this is Corina and Angel. Welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Stine Loring Nielsen, anthropologist and PhD fellow at the Aalborg University Copenhagen. We talk to Stine about healing architecture, space, sensorics and homemaking. The manner in which she reconciled her interests in academia and the applied sector through the topic of healing architecture and a successful partnership with the fields of design and architecture. Her way into a multidisciplinary PhD and how she built it, blending anthropology with two other disciplines. Her experience in understanding the potential of colored illumination in healthcare environments and the ethical concerns regarding application of results. Lastly, she shares her advice to those contemplating a similar blended path. We hope you enjoy it. Hi friends, we are here today with Stine Loring Nielsen, a PhD fellow at Aalborg University in Copenhagen. Hi Stine! Hi! <laughs> um, I met Stine at the Why the World Needs Anthropology conference, um, where she had an amazing presentation about her, her PhD work and So I, I decided to invite Stine to come on the podcast and tell us a bit more about her work in this space. Yeah, and hopefully you guys will enjoy it just as much as um, I did. Thank you so much. <laughs> so Stine, before we dive into your presentation, tell us a bit more about your background. How, how did you come to be where you are right now? Yeah, so, um, so I'm an anthropologist uh, trained in uh, Copenhagen University. And uh, back when I was studying anthropology, I felt like like a strange fish, as I also showed in my presentation, that that I wasn't like interested in in tribes or cargo calls or all of this traditional anthropological stuff. Um, but I've always been curious about how the human body interacts with the built environment and how the physical surroundings can um, be designed to uh, yeah support healing or well-being for people, mainly in the healthcare sector, but of course everybody could need some of that, even sitting in an, in an office space. So um, yeah, in the beginning I, I really just dived into that and, and did my bachelor's degree and my master's degree on that topic. Uh, and then I started working with architects and designers on how to create spaces in, in the healthcare sector. Uh, hospitals and, uh, and hospices and, and spaces for elderly people mm -hmm. and, and trying to grasp what the, the users, their, their life worlds, their, their values and how they practice everyday life and, and just wanted to support that. Mm -hmm. and, and of course also looking a lot into the paradigm of healing architecture and what we already know about um, the values or the, the benefits of what we can see and what we can smell and mm. so textures and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was it difficult to get your PhD proposal approved? 
looking like it seems like um, a bit out of the traditional yeah. space for a PhD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so my way into all of this was, uh, of course, you could you could say it's a bit lucky, but also I think when you're really motivated and you really have a passion for something, people have a way of finding each other. Um, so I was working at this uh, architectural company on healing architecture and uh, together with the architects and designers and actually also nurses. So we were quite transdisciplinary. And then my, um, my boss at the moment came to me and said, Stine, uh, I have this project on actually um, the potential of, of uh, art in hospitals and I want you to do the study. So it was a two-year study that I did before this uh, PhD mm-hmm. came along. And um, so we, we started working together and I came back to academia. And and after uh, finishing up that project where we, we studied yeah, uh, figurative and abstract art in, in hospitals and how, how uh, patients, they practiced and experienced the art and the spaces, um, then we applied for this uh, PhD in, in lighting design and how how lighting design can can support well-being and, and healing in, in architecture. So uh, so it, it yeah it was a progression of that and and um, I'm very lucky to to be in this. Uh, it's a department of architecture and design and media technology. So um, where I felt a bit. Uh, out of the, the tribe in anthropology, of course, it's a, a lot of stuff has happened in the last, uh, yeah, seven years or ten years. Uh, being uh, the anthropology being more applied and more mm-hmm. artworks and and having projects outside academia, but but uh, at Aalborg University, we really focus on having projects with the private sector and the public sector and, mm. and making that link uh, so the applied part of, of this type of anthropology uh, there's really room for that here and, and of course now I work with architects and uh, designers so they can see the value mm. of, um, of these types of studies yeah. and also the qualitative uh, approach mm. so tell us a bit how did you start with this project like how did you start approaching it Yeah. So, uh, so when I started working at Aalborg University, it was on this project on healing uh, mm-hmm. arts. Um, and then I also started doing some teaching on the lighting design master program that we have at Aalborg University mm-hmm. in Copenhagen. So I came to, uh, to look into the field of lighting design and, um, and also the different possibilities that the technology is giving us at the moment of, and of course it's progressing all the time so um, so and also from the prior pro- projects I've been doing uh, there's been a topic of color um, that and, and also light so a lot of lights uh, are applied in, in hospitals and also hospices and all over um, and it could be electrical light or it could be like the light of a candle or and and I, I saw how and I, I, I heard how these different types of, of lighting uh, fixtures um, and materials they had an effect on the human body and, and how people perceive the space and their and their yeah. uh, health. Can you give it an example? Yeah. So it actually started in a, in my master's. When I was doing my master's, I went out half in half a year at a hospice uh, outside of Copenhagen. And this hospice was built 
from some concepts of concepts of healing architecture and and uh, how what should the view be and mm. and what should the materials be and how should we shape this building and and in this hospice um there was uh, a lot of thought went into also the light and the colors so um I actually studied how can you make a home in an institution and this hospice being an institution but also your your last home in a way and they they did a lot uh, they had they did a lot of effort uh, or put a lot of effort into making this a homely environment um but when interviewing and observing <laughs> all my my informants all the residents and the, the relatives and the the staff uh i saw that it was not this division there was not this division between institution or home it was more like everybody expressing how this space had a certain vibe how there was a certain atmosphere in the space how everybody felt that this is my hospice mm-hmm. uh they could really sense the ambience of the space so um being like uh, having a phenomenological approach i really uh, opened up to this more sensory uh, aspects of of uh, experiencing a space and um, and here i saw that that the colors and the light were were crucial aspects of that um and their sensations of, of being in the world and also being in this situation of of dying mm-hmm. uh and when i then uh did my uh, next study on the art in hospitals we also looked into uh are there different uh, shapes or colors uh, that are more uh, suitable for well-being or mm-hmm. how can we address this um so again the color popped up uh, as an element uh, and we saw that uh, that brighter colors uh, seem to induce more positive sensations and thoughts and emotions and also conversations uh, between uh, patients at a hospital yeah being hospitalized and uh, so when i was uh, and 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 i should say of course that this uh, lighting design uh, master program it's fairly new so we also wanted to like uh, the the university wanted to uh, support this uh, research paradigm um and then i talked with my boss and the leader of the program um and we uh, we figured out a way to structure this phd study or mm-hmm. research so that we could actually uh, yeah build on what we already knew or what mm-hmm. i already knew and yeah. and also feed into to the lighting design research mm-hmm. um yeah yeah and how have you found that process so far I really uh, I really enjoy it uh, because it's not a, a fixed frame in a way and I don't feel like being put into a box uh, where we have a certain way of doing things so we actually work quite transdisciplinary uh, also because we are architects and designers and engineers and media technologists and then we are me and we also have a lot of our students come from uh, art science yeah um so so we have this mix of of the technology and the architecture and the design yeah. the more aesthetic uh, um aspects of of lighting design so so i really um i really have the yeah the <laughs> sensation and the feeling that that i i have have a lot to say in this and how to frame 
this project um, and also of course being an anthropologist and having my ethnographical methods and yeah. uh, and the architects having something else um, I think they're curious yeah. <laughs> about okay what can I bring to the table yeah I'm very interesting about the timing of, of uh, things in this process. Yeah, because in a in a normal anthropological, let's say PhD process, you you have your sections of of work that you go through in a very clearly defined way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I want you to speak a bit more. How mm -hmm. would that frame work when you try to change it or adapt it or even build a new one yeah. together with other practices? Yeah. How, how do you do that? Um, so, of course, when I started this PhD, I had to do like a, a outline outline of my three years of study. Um, and I, I knew that, um, that I wanted to take this phenomenological approach. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to be curious and I wanted the project to be able to uh, develop and, and come alive as I went along. Because I know as an anthropologist that there are no fixed uh, world out there that you could just measure and then it's mm -hmm. that. Uh, so so uh, I actually stru uh, structured my studies um, with three studies. <laughs> From th uh, three studies I had to look into this how can we understand the potential of colored illumination uh, in healthcare environments from studying this interaction between the body and the space. So I, I, I first started off by looking into how do we sense our own body in different environments of colored illumination. And this was very explorative. Mm -hmm. I went into a performance art manifestation or installation and I had a space where I could set the lighting and I could interview people why they were immersed in this environment and they could really be, um, of course, being a part of this uh, art installation they were also biased or primed probed i don't know what mm -hmm. you would call it to to um to have a lot of reflections about their bodily sensations so that was very explorative and from that on i saw okay there are actually uh, different sensations in our body mm -hmm. uh, and then i knew i wanted to, to do a field work study in the healthcare sector so I looked into where do we apply this uh, colored illuminations in healthcare, uh, in the healthcare environments, and, and um, in Denmark there is uh, a lot going on in the delivery wards or maternity wards mm -hmm. and delivery rooms. So I I got um, a collaboration with the regional hospital in Copenhagen, and uh, and the, here they have a room, a sensory delivery room. And then I wanted to study that. Okay, how do midwives actually mm -hmm. uh, apply this? And how do they practice this in their everyday midwifery practices? Yeah. Uh, because, of course, there were some intentions from the makers of the, this design. Um, but I wanted to learn, okay, how, how do they make meaning of this mm -hmm. uh, when they have a woman giving birth and they have a lot uh, yeah. going on in this room? So I was there uh, this year from April to, to the July. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went into to their shifts, or I followed the midwives around during their day and evening and night shift, and, and mainly <laughs> evening and night, because it was spring and I had to study the light. So um, so I, of course, wanted to the room to, to be 
yeah, so that I could see the yeah. light, you know, or, and, and they could sense the light. Um, so I had a, a bit different uh, times, uh, what you call it, circadian rhythm at the moment. Um, and uh, and I don't know if, if I should talk about that study right now, but but I think that that because I I had the and, and now the last study I will do will be in January, and that will be in a lab where I will have some some sensor uh, data. So I will actually um, design the space together with my supervisor. She's an architect mm-hmm. uh, and a lighting designer, and uh, and we will set up the space with the colors illumin- colored illuminations, and I will. Uh, have some participants wear some sort of sensors I don't know which yet Mm -hmm. Um, but again to study the body and how Mm -hmm. we react uh, how is our bodily reactions from different angles Mm -hmm. so now I have like the more exploratory the sensations the bodily sensations and people telling me I feel like I'm in an onion or I feel like I'm getting a hug or I feel like I'm floating around in space Mm -hmm. and and they had really these very descriptive and and sensational uh, sensuous um, perspectives on on how their bodies reacted in the different um, in the different light settings or uh, the space of different light settings and and studying the midwives uh, I am processing my data right now but um, but I saw that the midwives like generally they wanted to mute the lighting so they wanted to turn it down as much as they could this was both in the traditional ones the traditional delivery rooms but also uh, this sensory delivery room because they wanted to create a cave-like sensation and and a calmness and togetherness in the space. Um, so they they were primed to like shut off the the traditional hospital lighting as as we know it. It's very bright and and like fixed. Um, and uh, and with this design, they could they could uh, choose between different themes. You could say so. There was a theme of uh, arrival, like welcome to the space, and and now you're giving birth, and and um, and there were also um, a theme of breathing that was more like bluish tones and a wave you could hear, and and uh, and the midwives that I studied, I know studied, I know that they have this sensory delivery rooms in different hospitals in Denmark and I don't know how they apply it um, in the other mm-hmm. hospitals but but the, the midwives that I studied they tended to to apply the more warmer hues mm-hmm. um, and that was the arrival program and the welcoming of the child so it was more like the reddish uh, hues and, and warmer hues because they really uh, had this uh, a value of, of creating this cave and togetherness with the woman um, because it's a very intense uh, situation mm-hmm. and you need to know that uh, you are in contact with each other and that you are present and um, and that not that there are not things floating around in space or yeah. and of course the bluish light it opens up the space in a different way that, than the warmer hues does. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so all of this, and, and my hope is, of course, to to link the three studies yeah. together in the end. But I don't know. <laughs> Still, of course, I can see some patterns now. Um, but when I began my quest, I didn't know mm-hmm. because that's what a phenomenologist do. Or, yeah. um, and uh, and I, I 
because I know in in this field of science, a lot of lab laboratory studies have been done, and and we measure spit and stress hormones, and we measure the blood pressure, mm-hmm. and but but we sometimes forget to actually ask or observe what is actually happening happening mm-hmm. to this human body and how is it experienced. Not by asking questions from a questionnaire. Do mm-hmm. you feel pleasant? Is it a pleasant room? Are you aroused? Yeah. You know, and then you put a a tick, uh, a tick in the box. Um, so this is it's really more uh, a bottom up mm-hmm. uh, and and driving from their experiences and the practices that I have been observing and being yeah. told. Uh, I've also done a lot of mappings and taking some pictures. And of course, I interviewed the midwives after our shift to know. So I had some questions. Okay, I I, uh, I saw that you at some point, you you Did adjusted that. the lighting. And what was that about? And, mm. uh, and how do you feel in this yeah. space and so on? Did uh, you interview the young mothers as well? Um, no, uh, sometimes, of course, because I was there the yeah. whole time, um, sometimes holding a leg, sometimes fetching some lemonade, uh, and sometimes there were uh, pauses or like more calm periods of time during the, the delivery process where I could ask if I felt like there's a room or they invited me to, mm-hmm. um, so how they experienced the space. But but it was a very clear um uh, what you call choice for me to to focus on the midwives, both because there has been some studies on how uh, the mothers and the fathers experience this space, um, but also because uh, I really saw this as a tool, the technology as a tool for the midwives to mm-hmm. orchestrate um, the delivery process, and and I knew that that uh, she would be uh, like the type of data I need for this kind of analysis is 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 very descriptive so if i were to interview the mother while she is lying there in the greatest moment of her life and the most it's intense and she's in pain and like my data would would not be yeah, yeah. it would it would be hard to uh, collect and it would be difficult to analyze it and, mm-hmm. and really understand what what is the meaning of this so um so for me uh, i really saw the midwives as a key agent in in this uh, situation and she's the one that is um uh, supporting like okay now we need to breathe now we need to relax now <laughs> you need to focus and so she's really and sometimes when she says that uh, now we need to, to push now we need to breathe so their bodies in a way become one mm-hmm. it's very interesting and I, I don't know how how much i will go into that in my analysis yeah. but yeah but I, yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about that okay. like this yeah. this experience that you have with one body and the environment and facilitated through sensorics yeah would it be different if you do it on your own or if you do it within a group? Would that experience is to a certain extent engage with one another, influence one another? Mm. Yeah, the way you can look at atmospheres in a way is also an attuning of the space. Mm-hmm. And that is that doesn't only address one person. It addresses mm-hmm. all the people in the space. But of course, all of those people have their own backgrounds and their own culture and their own values and their own experiences from before. But do they create something together, you know, like, like in a concert and with a symphony and you have all these individual responses that kind of of come together somehow? Of course. 
How was it in the hospice? Because that must have been a very, how to say, social experience, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, But also, yeah, it was so, yeah, because you are, you're dying, you're lying in a bed. Maybe you're not able to walk anymore. Mm. Uh, Of course, your bed can be rolled out uh, in the uh, public uh, or shared living room. Um, But but, um, what I saw there was that the way that this hospice was shaped, it was shaped like an eight, so like an infinity sign, but Mm. also uh, it was shaped like an eight so that um, all the sounds and the smells could travel Mm. in the space. And so that you could open your door from your own room, still being like only lying in your own room, mm-hmm. but you could hear the people walking around outside and you could smell that now somebody's making a cake uh, out in the ki- kitchen. And, and of course, um, that became, so the door became a navigating tool for being like together oh. and being alone. But in the but in the delivery room, it's a, a it's a bit different because there you're really mm. in that space and you are you're shutting down uh, like the alarm alarms from the hall and and you really you close the door and you have a curtain in front of the door and um, and if you hear in the next room and you will hear everybody hears like the woman next to you giving birth mm-hmm. um, and you address that and you're like yes this sounds exactly like like it's supposed to and we will also get there and like so so of course you are in the same process but you are also really aware of uh, supporting this uh, togetherness in the space and i have not done my uh, i'm not finished with my analysis but but i think that there is um, a point in the midwives choosing certain light settings in order to support this mm-hmm. togetherness mm-hmm. Uh, and from the first study that that the per, that mm-hmm. the people in in those uh, in the space that I investigated that they said like like I feel like I'm in a womb mm-hmm. uh, or I'm in a cave when they were in the reddish illumination and actually when I was doing that study I blindfolded people Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, they could not see mm-hmm. the space. They didn't know the color. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know, is there a light on? They didn't react when I, I, of course, also asked them, can you see anything? And they couldn't, but but I could also see they didn't react when I changed the light or when I shut out off the light or anything. But So I'm working with these uh, three hues. Maybe I should have mentioned that, but the red and the blue and the amber. Um, so from the first study, people said that, okay, I feel like I'm in a cave or in a womb and that the, actually the space is a bit intrusive. So it was like holding them together. Mm-hmm. And when they were in the blue, they told me about floating around in space or water. And also uh, some said that they was like being in a melancholic space mm-hmm. inside themselves, but more like floating and airy and and they couldn't feel the surfaces of the wall mm-hmm. or of the space. And and in the amber illumination, they, they had this description of being in an onion or a pillow that shapes around you or getting a hug from your mother mm-hmm. or like these more, um, yeah, uh, yeah, what you call it, like natural, mm-hmm. uh, warm mm-hmm. sensations. So if I have to like... Uh, or if I, I should look into the, the links between these studies. And of course, I have my third study also yeah. to see, okay, uh, 
it, it might be that uh, that it it changes everything and something else is happening. Yeah. And of course, it's different spaces, so it's not the same space, mm. it's not the same situation. Yeah. Um, but of course, I think that if if I were to look into okay, the first study they said I feel like I'm in a womb, like I'm in a cave. The midwives they want to create or support a cave-like sensation, mm-hmm. a togetherness, uh, a warmness in the space. Then there is a link to mm-hmm. be seen. Yeah. Uh, and I of course am so curious to see. Okay, if I am to measure it with senses, and of course I will still ask them some questions. Yeah. But but uh, I really like this transdisciplinary yeah. approach where yeah. we both have the, the quantitative measurements and the qualitative yeah. explorations. Um, Do yeah. you also explore the the intersection of these perceptions with other cues, like like shapes or texture or? No, no. not in this study. But mm-hmm. I would really love to, uh, because of course I'm I'm curious about this uh, the healthcare environments, and mm-hmm. in healthcare environments there are certain types of materials uh, that, of course, uh, they need to be the staff needs to be able to clean them. Uh, they have a lot of uh, of um, aluminium and a lot of uh, linoleum on the floor mm. and and a lot of equipment uh, yeah, yeah. and and um, and I think a lot could be done in that and I remember from from doing my study at the hospice um, staff would uh, voluntarily sew little bags uh, mm. around the, if you had to have a, a, a pump that pumped medicine mm-hmm. inside you. Um, uh, then they would, uh, some people would do a little bag to put around that pump. So you didn't see the pump, yeah. like, you know, the institution being on the pillow, but yeah. you actually, you had a, a beige uh, little bag around that. And when the nurse should look and, and have a look on that, she could, of course, remove the bag and put it on again. So all of these, and also the materials, they applied a lot of wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the connection to nature and sensing yeah. you you being in the world and, and being a human being in the world and of the world. Yeah. Um, I really think that those links are, are important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that the lighting design can support. Mm-hmm. But of course, also the materials can do that additionally yeah. and the light will react differently mm-hmm. in relation to the materials. Yeah. So right now in hospitals, the light bumps <laughs> from all of these uh, sharp surfaces. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, but it will be different if, if we have some softer yeah. textures. So how would you imagine the effect of your work? Like um, if it would land into something tangible, what would that be? Yeah. Uh, I, of course, hope that it will be applied <laughs> in the healthcare sector, but actually uh, in in a lot of environments. Uh, I don't see any limitations. Of course, uh, of course, I'm working with people that are ill uh, and people working in with sickness and illness and, and depression and mm-hmm. uh, psychiatric disorders and all of this, but I really believe that every human being uh, can benefit mm-hmm. uh, from having some, from being in healing environments. Uh, if we look back and we lived in, in the woods, that would be a healing environment. Now we're not living in the woods anymore. Uh, so we need to like remember mm-hmm. and our body needs to remember mm-hmm. to regenerate and, and, yeah. and, and, and vitalize. And, 
So, and that was also why I was so happy uh, attending this conference and why the world needs anthropologists and also why I'm, I'm happy to, to work at this department of architecture and design where we, we apply our analysis. It's not, not that anthropologists that it, but there's a way to go sometimes yeah, yeah. when, when an anthropologist do a monograph. And yeah. people are like, what should I do with this yeah, big book, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like the translation um, to the lived environment and the lived life of people. I, I, I think that, that the link is, is, uh, is there yeah. with this type of research more than if you have a more abstract or theoretical argumentation yeah, yeah. Uh, about something about a, a, a certain theme mm-hmm. so so I, I hope that that um, that this analysis of course I hope that I have something to say in the end <laughs> because still I, I, I will have but but yeah. I don't know what I yeah, really yeah, yeah. don't know what but but I, I I really sense that I'm getting deeper into an understanding of what is happening to our bodies mm-hmm. and I am looking into different, ways of describing that and exploring mm. that not only with a sensor but also with okay how we actually sense our bodies yeah yeah and even though we're not aware of it and even though we're not aware of the light being a certain hue our bodies will react mm. our bodies will um will translate that impulse into something mm-hmm. and it might be that we don't know I'm, I'm, I'm like in a, in a certain mood today I don't know why and I actually have a lamp at home like uh, it's it's uh, with plexiglass mm-hmm. and I really love it it's really beautiful but if I sit next to it for more than two hours I, I get like a, a certain sensation in my head and I get uneasy and like my body reacts yeah uh, and I, I really want to to support or, 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 or be a part of uh, creating a language for, okay, how can we actually understand uh, how lighting designs and all types of designs, but, but now I'm looking into lighting mm-hmm. design, how, how, can, um, how can we understand the, the potential and the effects of this yeah. uh, impulse? And when would the architects and the designer come in? At yeah. what stage in your project? Yeah. So right now they're helping me with the, creating this uh, last study. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course you could argue that they also created the, the sensory delivery room. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are of course part of the research. It is design research. Yeah. Um, but still uh, I'm now uh, figuring out the patterns in my data and mm-hmm. finding out okay, what are the effects and then an architect or a designer could apply those insights mm-hmm. to okay how if if I know I'm making this design to this type these types of people and I want to create this certain ambience or I want to support mm-hmm. this sensation in this space, then I might be able to mix these types of lighting in this environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I'm I'm also as an anthropologist really uh, cautious about okay you cannot apply like the results from one study to another study mm-hmm. uh, and there will be so many differences I just heard about a study where they in Japan they applied blue illuminations in their metros to um, to uh, reduce uh, suicide rates mm-hmm. and now London wants to apply the same lighting and I'm yeah. like 
it might work it, <laughs> and maybe it doesn't, you know, because we have so many uh, ways of translating yeah, colors yeah. also. Yeah. But, but, but the approach that I've been taking, of course, we have this divide in the nature, nurture and anthropology. And I may be a bit more uh, into the na- nature, like the bi- biological uh, scope, yeah. um, looking into the bodily sensations um and how how mm. we react and of course it's linked yeah and that's yeah. another but but to position myself yeah, in a way yeah are there any th- any ethical concerns with this type of work that you're doing yeah uh, and that that's that's stepping into this uh, okay can where can we actually apply this because mm. right now i know how it's applied in in delivery rooms mm. and that's it Yeah. In a way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the the first study in the performance art installation that is, of course, it's a natural environment, mm-hmm. but it's also uh, an abstraction. So yeah. it doesn't. It, it was there for a month, and, and now it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and the la- last study will be in a lab. Mm-hmm. So so what can we actually say mm-hmm. about this? But but I think that this is one step of the way. And that uh, if I'm able to see some patterns throughout the three studies, mm-hmm. then I might be able to say something more than mm-hmm. just for the delivery rooms. Mm-hmm. And of course, also, we have a lot of spaces in healthcare environments and in life in general, but we also have waiting areas, mm-hmm. we have intensive wards, we have yeah. uh, like a lot of spaces where we could actually benefit from this sensation of giving, <laughs> having a hug yeah. Or, yeah. or being in, in a in a womb mm-hmm. or having the sense of togetherness mm-hmm. or maybe you would like to float around if you have respiratory distress or something mm-hmm. like that it might be nice i don't know but if you know something about the bodily reactions and sensations in these certain environments yeah. then we can test it in the yeah. specific situation but i would really um, like to underline or stress that that you should of course not just apply yeah. these results yeah. in every um, in, in like in different yeah. cases without testing it first mm-hmm. but this is like a step of the way because a lot of the, the lighting design research being done today it's uh, on circadian rhythm mm-hmm. and we have to like yeah wake up in the morning and sleep during the nights and and um And the benefits of daylights and so on, but but because of this uh, field of colors and it's really grand, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and a lot of uh, people that have been working within theater, they have like applied, of course, colored illuminations, but they've also done it from a an intuitive approach in a mm-hmm. way. They know what works. They can sense it in their own bodies, and but we don't actually have like the 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 research or like yeah. um, so this is just one way of approaching it and I really applaud also all the neuroscientists and and all the people looking into hormones and mm-hmm. and engineers doing their measurements and and we really need all of the perspectives to go together yeah um, but but I think that, that this is maybe a way of creating a foundation for future research. Mm-hmm while also having come some of the way yeah. um, on, on what works and, and or not what works but how yeah. does this work 
And where would you see yourself like in that future space? Like, do you have already an idea of where your interest will take you after the PhD? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'm a bit split in a way because uh, I really, uh, I love doing research mm -hmm. and I love being able to go into depth and applying theory and mm -hmm. uh, exploring methods. And, and I also like uh, or love teaching, mm -hmm. passing it, forward and seeing the light in, in students' faces when they really, when they get it or yeah. when they get it in their own way and mm. they are able to, to create something from, from that. Um, but I'm also very driven um, by this applied approach <laughs> and I, uh, I, I'm not interested in my research only being a book on the shelf. Yeah. I would really like to, to have it make a difference. Um, for people in the world mm. it, that sounds really grand but of course it could be like a, a small place it could just be like one person saying <laughs> oh that's interesting I might be doing a sensory room and then I will be happy yeah. right um, but but I really like I, w I would love to um, to cooperate with the with different um, designers and architects mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know how the balance would, would be uh, maybe I will be in academics for some years and maybe I will be out in practice and maybe I will be both. Yeah. You can have like a part-time. Uh, yeah. But but uh, in Albor University, we really, we, we're trying to make this link. Um, and But uh, but of course, if, if there is a, a company saying, okay, we have this and we need to get it tested and we need to get it out and we need to to uh, to understand our mm -hmm. users, then it might make sense yeah. that I go there for a while. Uh, like I did before I came back to academia. Yeah. So, but I, I, I really love being in the center of this design anthropological mm -hmm. field. And that was also why I really uh, was so glad to attend this conference. Um, because I really had the sensation of, of coming home in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, then I, I'm not this odd fish yeah. swimming around alone. And the anthropologists <laughs> are saying, why are you going out there? Yeah, what yeah, are yeah. And, uh, and the designers. Uh, or architects saying, okay, we need to focus on space and we yeah, need yeah, yeah. to. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> we're making, we're creating spaces for people and we yeah. need to understand the people. I remember when you put that slide with that picture of the art fish, <laughs> how the people in the audience reacted. Yeah. I think, I think it's a feeling that we all kind of share when we're sitting in that borderline between these two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of trying to create a blended space. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I really want to just uh, be in that space, yeah. swim around in that yeah, yeah, space, yeah. and 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 having the best of both worlds. Because mm. I I also remember from being out in practice that you don't have the same amount of yeah. time to look into theory mm. and and ex explore your methods and and be. Of course, you can be creative, but of course, you also have a customer and you have a time deadline, mm. and you also have that in academia. Really, yeah. you do. Yeah. Um, But, but you are also supposed to, to support all your choices with, like, I've read all of this literature, I know about mm -hmm. this scientific field, and I'm inspired by these approaches. And you also yeah. you have to really validate your approach. Um, and I like the mix. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like the mix of the two. So what would you advise some of our listeners that are right there, you know, making that decision maybe even earlier on in their careers or academic or commercial? Like, how do you, um, 
how do you start walking that path? If you if you are unsure or you don't know how to or you are afraid you'll damage your career. <laughs> how do yeah. you do that? How do you get like that courage to be that fish? Yeah. So the way I really I really truly believe that everybody in the world have their own like um, passion and their own gift to give in the world and if you have um, if you feel like the urge and mm-hmm. if you feel the motivation inside of you just go for it and mm-hmm. and not knowing okay I will be here in seven years I will be here in three mm-hmm. years you you will never know but I mean when I started this quest I was in my second year of studying anthropology mm-hmm. and I was uh, reading about all of these tribes and all of these gender issues and I was like what am I doing here it's interesting but but when doing anthropology, you can do everything. Mm-hmm. So I really think it's it's uh, for me it has been very important to to uh, or crucial that I that I sensed that I was within this field of healing architecture or mm-hmm. that that I I was curious about about the relations between the human body and the built environment. Mm-hmm. And actually, what happened was that I was reading a text, and I I don't even remember the course, but I was reading a text on how. Um, uh, a kindergarten had been built in relation to, uh, and and then uh, the text was about an analysis of how that built environment um, created a certain gaze upon the children and, and what the like the values of children and how high and low the tables should be and mm-hmm. and I cried Aww. when I read that text I mm-hmm. cried and I really knew that okay this is something that touches me this yeah. is important to me I don't really know why and how yet but I know that this is the way I need to go um, so and I was lucky to to get that uh, yeah to get that knowledge before I did my best bachelor's yeah. because then I was able to do my own choices and I looked into a psychiatric ward also having designed the space of course so that people could not throw things they could not get out of the windows all of this uh, and then I went on to the hospice mm-hmm. and really got interested in this whole field of healing architecture and how how we can support our our well-being and lives with the built environment. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't know. I mean, of course, I didn't know when I started studying at yeah. all. Um, I think I've always been a, a a person that senses my environment, but mm-hmm. but I, I I didn't know that that it was was gonna be what I would work with yeah um and and like i don't know now i don't know what i will do after the phd and when i went in, back into academia i thought this is a two-year project on mm-hmm. art and hospitals it's really interesting i'm gonna do it and my my boss was like oh we have to look into this phd opportunity and i was like i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. if i would like a phd i don't i don't want a phd for the Case for PhD. the sake of a yeah. PhD, mm-hmm. I really want to to it has to to make me to mm-hmm. have meaning for me. Um, and when I then saw, okay, we can see something, and these the light and the colors, it it uh, it follows me in a way. Like yeah. the last analysis I did in my master thesis mm-hmm. was called colors and light. Yeah, that was like the last section of my master thesis. Mm-hmm. So that's so interesting, and I didn't know. I didn't know that I was gonna pick that up again. Yeah, yeah, three yeah. years later yeah. or four years later, actually. So, so, uh, but I, I truly believe that if you if you have that passion and you find your passion, and of course it it 
this sounds very uh, focused but it it is actually yeah. quite broad yeah. but people listening to it will think okay it's really like uh, you have one path but there are so many paths yeah um yeah. and and it, it can be so different and sometimes i also know from from my fellow students and colleagues that it can also be like a changing moment in your life mm-hmm. something happens and you just know yeah. or you get yeah. guided in a way um but but for me so much research is being done so much mm. design <laughs> is out there you know mm. and and now i got this uh, design what matters right mm-hmm. uh, from from design it they were at the conference and i really feel that design what matter because and design what matters to you and what you can see matters to other people and also yeah. do research that matters mm-hmm. it's not like there's a lot now of course there's a lot going on in technology and and um and a lot going on with the, the building materials that we have at hand and mm-hmm. but you have to find your own grip to it you have yeah. to find your own uh, angle and your own what what makes you curious what makes you stay up at night mm-hmm. yeah right yeah uh, so that would be my advice and i know that's not uh, <laughs> something that you could find in a book you should find mm-hmm. it within yourself yeah yeah um, and if you don't know try out different things mm-hmm. And do you think that there's a certain um, responsibility that that lies within the academic space to create space for that exploration? Yeah, I think so. I would love if there were more of that. I think we as uh, PhD students, we actually, where I am at, we have a great space to explore that, um, I think, uh, that we have these three years and of course we have to produce a lot of research <laughs> and a lot of papers and uh, and um, and do teaching and supervision and all of this but but still we are in Denmark uh, they're very open the academic environment is very open to our ideas and and our approaches and how we see things because they also know that know that we we are the future in a way right yeah um, and I also get inspired by my students So I think that that a general openness to different perspectives and different genders and ages and and mm-hmm. uh, backgrounds um that's like the world you know yeah, like yeah. and I also saw that the, the live in the delivery rooms every midwife is different mm-hmm. every midwife and she actually she does the same job you mm-hmm. could say but she does it so differently mm-hmm. so that that's the same in in academia you should really Do it your way. Yeah. And of course we have, oh, then I will do some interviews. Yes. But we know like an interview is not an interview. Mm. There are like a billion ways of doing an interview, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you find your own way yeah. of yeah. doing that. Okay. And, yeah. Well, that's a great message to end this um, episode on. Um, Sina, thank you so much for your perspective. <laughs> and um, I personally have taken so much out of it. Um, I was very inspired by your presentation, but even more now after our talk. I'm so um, glad to hear. Thanks. Yeah, I, th- I think th- living in that blended world between um, anthropology and other disciplines and loving all of them and what they create together, it's... Yeah. It's something really cool and it's really nice to see other people doing it and uh, having so much passion like you have for it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for listening, everyone. 
Follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speaker's work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.